0: So if you've got the vision for your, your business or, or whatever your goal is, like making sure you're ticking off those big ticket items that are going to, instead of just being potentially a sideways step or a, a very small level step towards that goal, because we've got limited time trying to tick those boxes that are the biggest steps towards that goal as regularly as possible.
1: Welcome along to the Lifting in Life podcast. I'm Cam, I'm the host. I have a bachelor's degree in psychology, I'm a personal trainer and I also work in IT. Today I'm chatting to Cam Ravenwood. He is a farmer and a business owner from back home in NZ uh, based in Riversdale in the wider Upper. We were put in touch by our mutual friend Jonty and I was keen to chat to Cam because he has built a successful business while also maintaining a fit and healthy lifestyle. So I'll chat, we kind of delve into his journey and understand how. He was able to build his successful business, which is in the sheep milking industry, which I personally found quite interesting, and turns out sheep's milk is really good in terms of its um, nutritional benefits, particularly protein too, and apparently uh, in a blind taste test, people couldn't tell the difference, but anyway, that's a bit of a side note. So we understand how he was able to build the successful business, how he maintains his fit lifestyle even though he's out on the farm a lot of the time doing a really physical job as well as a whole bunch of other projects he's got on the go and then we also learn more about how fitness has helped with his well-being particularly in times that were quite tough like during lockdown during that period his um, business actually lost about 70% of its revenues and he kind of discusses how training was one of the things that helped him get through that very difficult time as always i appreciate you tuning into the podcast and any support you can show goes a long way and it helps me continue getting these awesome people on so i hope you enjoy the episode and remember you make you but sweet anyway Cam, we're here. We made it happen after uh, John T was nice enough to flick me a message and yet again pass on another good recommendation. I'm keen for this episode to learn more about farming, fitness, maybe a bit of mental health and just get to know you and more about your
0: journey. Cam, yeah, nice to be here. T's uh, <laughs> certainly here. Good good, that he could put us in touch, so looking forward to
1: it. Yeah, man. Um, he actually recommended Fred would have been about this time last year i think and i i don't know do you, do you know fred yeah I was, I was just assuming that you do
0: um potentially last do you
1: know last name uh falloon fellow oh
0: yes yeah
1: yeah, yeah 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 um yeah he recommended fred last year and we had a good chat so when he recommended someone else i was like oh yep i'm sure uh you'd be good <laughs> to chat to <laughs> we oh, I thought we could um start because you you grew up in a small town riversdale and i grew up in a small town whakatane which is oh that's probably actually seven or eight hours drive up from riversdale that's probably a bit of a drive but um you were farming you hunting doing lots of sports so i'm keen to get an understanding of what those foundational kind of years were like for you and what it was like growing up in a small town like that
0: yeah, it was awesome. Um, so I grew up we were with neighbours with Jonty, um, so he was four Ks down the road, which was which was good. But um, I, our school that we went to, Thariamma School, uh, we had 28 pupils, I think. I was the <laughs> only boy in my year, and I had three girls in my year, and Jonty was a year older than me, and um, Henry Gaskin as well. And um, yeah, so it was pretty close-knit, pretty small and I, I, yeah, we loved it. We did, like, looking back and, like, reflecting on it, it's pretty amazing. Like, when you progress from there to other schools, you just realise how such a small school, everyone was there to learn and everyone was there to, like, partake. Like, you had, you had to, you had 28 people. So, if someone was sitting out, not, not participating, well, it's, you know, a, a pretty big proportion of the total population. Yeah. Yeah. So, everyone was involved with everything like you had um from year one to year eight well more or less you you'd have full school lunchtime games and things like that so it was quite good and then like just even in terms of the classroom it was amazing like looking back now we were doing like we were doing uh like three or four years like level like work ahead of math so we were like year six is doing like starting to do year nine college like math sort of thing just and just everyone was there to work like the teacher would just assign you um work and you you'd just do it and then <laughs> it was like into it which was
1: yeah.
0: which was pretty cool and then quite a contrast my intermediate years just because I was the only boy there uh most schools um just to try and I guess branch out a little bit before heading into the big wide world of college and um mm. yeah you, you soon um realize that a lot of kids aren't there to, to learn or anything and, and the whole dynamic changes pretty quickly. Um, and so that was, yeah, it's quite a yeah, really cool little school. We used to do, um, like, we'd have cross-country training and, and everyone would have to do it, You'd go out, and depending on your age, you might have to run 6Ks each day. And, like, a lot of schools obviously don't do that. And, and everyone, well, yeah. pretty much everyone was into it. So, um, yeah, you always sort of had that balance of, yeah, doing just doing your work, you turned up, you, you did your work, you you played and, and you because there was a small school you got a bit more exposure to different age groups. There wasn't that oh you're yes, it's an um yes. Segregation, year,
1: yeah. Year, yeah,
0: yeah. So so that was quite good in that regard. Um
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then I guess just being small we we didn't really go into town too much apart from sport. Um mm-hmm. and otherwise, yeah, just lived, lived on the farm, loved farm life and um, helping Dad on the farm and, um, yeah, I suppose developed a bit of work ethic through that and also seeing how, how hard he worked and, yeah, it was pretty cool building blocks, I guess, to, to go from there and into college or into intermediate and college, so mm-hmm. it was cool. I can believe yeah, how,
1: I was going to say, I can't believe how small your school was.
0: Like when I said I
1: grew up in a small town, there would have been (laughs) a few hundred at our primary school or something. That's unreal that there were less than 30 people at your school. It's such a, I don't know, that must have been such an interesting experience. How do you think that kind of shaped your view of the world a little bit at that stage? It sounded like you got a bit of a shock when you went to a bigger school and realized, oh, everyone's not into it. But do you think that kind of helped with your work ethic, even at that really young age, being around all these people that were just keen to get stuck in,
0: yeah, I, I definitely think it is. A eh? like literally everyone was. You got assigned a task. We had no detentions at school because everyone mm. like literally was just there to to do their thing. And then yeah, like you say, as you move to a bigger school, you I did definitely feel like a bit of a fish out of water. I, I was. Mm. I remember when I moved into media, I was pretty unhappy for a start. I didn't want to move um, from the little school. because so I still had a couple of real good mates here, and I was like, I oh, don't need to move. But, um, yeah, first moved, and I was just – I hated it. Day. I was just mm. I, we had to wear a uniform because where I was from, it was just mufty every day. Yeah. You had to, wear, yeah, we had to wear a uniform, and I was just wasn't really into it. And, yeah, <laughs> the, the whole environment was just, just way different. It was a good um, – still a good sporty school and that but um yeah it just took a lot of time to adjust so i I think it it was a yeah it's hugely important for just like the foundational work of work ethic and and just yeah as you say like when you're when you're around people that are are keen just to get stuck in it's just it's um you bounce off each other eh? and Mm. you just get more done and and you help develop those good habits
1: it's like you're the odd one out if you don't want to do the the right thing or the good thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, no,
1: definitely. Mm-hmm. And then, sort of growing up, you mentioned there about the farm and, and your dad being a role model. What did your role on the farm look like, sort of as you maybe got a little bit older, but still in your school years? How were you sort of participating in all the farm work?
0: Yeah, so basically, um, we were, so growing up, I was there probably. But like my sister was really into farming. My brother not as much. But um, I was always real hands-on, and probably from quite a young age, was was um involved. Even like starting to be part of like decision-making side of the farming, and and um, cause I yeah, just took a real interest, and Dad used to always bounce ideas off me, and I'd always have, <laughs> have my inputs. So um, so it was quite cool. Like they exposed me to like financials and things like that at like a really young age. Like just you just start talking about Um, like margins, cents per kg of dry matter, like what what you could make and um, pasture growth rates and and all sorts of things like that from a real young Mm -hmm. age. So um, it got me, yeah, pretty interested in numbers and just business in general, like at that stage. So I got my first work dog when I was 13. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it was straight into, yeah, working with dogs and was actually pretty handy on the farm from that point onward because I could go out and do stock shifts and, and yeah, be, be quite an asset. Um, So was it your
1: responsibility to train the dog when it was given to you as your dog? Was it your responsibility?
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's, um, (laughs) she's my first dog. She's still alive. Um, Mm -hmm. And she, dad, dad got it for himself. And then I just sort of started training her. She was quite a soft natured dog and, probably one that dad wouldn't have really had too much time for so i I, I started training her and then um yeah i just i loved well love dogs love yeah loved working with them so did that um for my first one and then about a year later got my oh it been about 18 months later got a hitting pup and from there just yeah just love love the dog work and probably skipped a few steps like a lot of other people on the farm would probably do, but tractor work and things like that. But because yeah. I sort of already had a had a dog of uh, sorry a team of dogs going, i would doing work for other people and um, yeah, I'd, I'd be doing a lot of like the stock work and shifts and um, bringing stock into the yards for people mm. to trench and things like that. So that's interesting,
1: good. man. It's like the the stuff that you've done is like consistently been sort of beyond your years almost, but it's sort of has clearly worked in your benefit. It's like you've been able to not necessarily skip a few steps, but maybe get a good jump on the journey sooner than what other people might have.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I certainly like credit a lot of like just mum and dad's open, openness when they're running the business. side so I guess naturally like I'm quite, I quite enjoy maths and things like that. So like just the whole business side of things, mm-hmm. you get interested like, how, you know, how to make money, what's margins. And, and so you just, yeah, get exposed to those things which start, develop, oh, I guess you start developing interest in that thing, yeah, earlier than than what other people might because they just mm. aren't aware of it. Yeah, don't get the same level of
1: exposure, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-mm. And throughout
1: your school, as well as doing the farming, you're still playing a lot of sport, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, um, we, yeah, we did everything. We were guys, just a sport mad. Um, we rugby was always my, my main sport, so I absolutely loved it. And that's sort of what I went down to Lincoln University like later on to to have a good crack at some good rugby and um, and as well study, but yeah, it was sort of the mm. main driver down that <laughs> study way. Study on the uh, side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and but yeah, through school We'd always like primary school. We'd all, like we had a lot of cross country athletics. Like at that school, they always had like an hour every day where you'd go and train. So that was that was right up our alley. Um, and then, yeah, moving to college, mum actually, well, they bought a, a house in town. My parents and so that we didn't have to board because she didn't want to not see us. So, <laughs> oh, so nice. they they bought a house in town. She was working in town as well, so we yeah. stayed there during the week and then head out to the farm. But
1: uh, and, and what I, is I think, town when when you say town?
0: Uh, Masterton, so that's yeah, the main sort of hub town for us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think I don't know. If it was probably my parents' way of trying to keep us out of um, trouble and getting into other things. But True. they just put us well, allowed us to do basically any sport that we signed up to. So we were like looking back, it was we were pretty busy. um, like would do um like swim training was sort of our base which which we use as base fitness more or less mm-hmm. so there'd be quite often like a lot of afternoons where i'd run to swimming swim gym come home or like even potentially run home like we were just pretty much school then then sport and that was sort of that was just what we did and we did a bit of like indoor netball like um twilight hockey and, and like things like that that you're just mm. um, Friday night sort of futsal or, or whatever it is. Um, so we were just, there was just school and sport and that was about all we did. And then out to the farm and, and that was just, we just loved it, eh? I've um, like got two siblings and they were the same, just sport mad. and It's such a physical lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly like, and we didn't like, really think too much of it. And like looking back now, you just think, we were kept pretty busy, eh? You'd <laughs> Yeah, you get home from school and so. <laughs> We, yeah, whether it was uh, mum and dad's way of just trying to keep us out of trouble, I'm not sure, but they were yeah, pretty yeah, good yeah. at making sure they drop us off or whatever to sports trainings and, and that. So
1: yeah, yeah we just... it, as you, uh, I was just going to say, as you as you mentioned earlier, you um once you finish school, obviously you've already got this interest in in maths and in accounting a little bit. So is that what kind of prompted you or made you want to go down to to Lincoln and, and study was it agribusiness and marketing,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. So it did yeah. yeah, pretty much like I guess I've always had the idea that I, I'm like really interested in farming and and I've had a lot of hands on experience. So like I felt like my actual like day to day farming knowledge was pretty good and and like the skills were pretty good and the and Dad always encouraged like to try and do something that is not farming initially, or, or maybe s- adds value on top of farming. And understand mm. more so now than ever, farming is you're you're running a business like first and foremost. Like yeah. probably about 15 20 years ago, farming was like you could just get away with like you shift sheep and and that and that was that, and like you didn't have too much like bookkeeping in the sense of. Um, fertilizer applications and animal health records and just there's just so oh, many records yeah. now. i suppose are, the,
1: like, the sort of emergence of technology i could imagine all the different apps and all that kind of stuff that you must have to be pretty
0: savvy with to manage all your stuff yeah definitely and 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 a lot of it's just around compliance so eh? like just making sure that you yeah taking the boxes crossing the t's dotting the i's, sort of things so um yeah so i think that's certainly um, but well, it was the driver to head down to Lincoln. Like the agribusiness food marketing, um, undergraduate degree, and then continued on to do masters there while we were sort of starting the business at the same time. And um, but yeah, it was sort of my idea that, that it would give me a bit more of the business um knowledge that would potentially need down the track, and. Mm. It's pretty translatable to anything you do, like business side of things, and just understanding more about economics and, and that. And then the marketing side was partly because this whole um, sheep milk business idea started to be like started to be thrown around, and and so we're thinking, well, that could come in handy. So yeah, so and, and we'd heard good things about that course as well. So um, thought, well, go down there, have a nudge, and play a bit of rugby, and yeah,
1: yeah, so, I, I um when I messaged you and kind of just asked a little bit about like who you are and what you did, because obviously I only got a name and that you grew up in Riversdale and you're a farmer. That was like the, the main yeah. thing that I got. And then you sent me a, a nice detailed message. One thing that I really liked that you put in there and now you're talking about starting your business is that it was kind of like, um, how did you, Oh yeah. I want to, I want to read it exactly how you read it. Uh, you said starting your own business was a sense of controlling your own destiny on the farm. So was that decision to start the sheep milking business kind of like a fulfilling, like a sense of purpose or a, or a bigger goal, you know, what was that decision like for you?
0: Yeah. Um, I think like actually what it came down to is like, because I had been like growing up from, I'd say probably like from around 12 up, like I was reasonably, like yeah got kept in the loop of what was happening on the farm financially and that sort of thing. So I had a pretty good understanding that the best performing years financially on the farm weren't actually the best performing years of the farm. So like because farming is basically a commodity driven cycle, is always something that I was really frustrated with. But you could put like all my parents especially could put their heart and soul into a year, have a have a really, really good year production, nail everything then be 20 to 30 percent low in revenue just because commodity cycles are, are mm. down so that was something for me i'd always look down for it's pretty frustrating um, and it would be awesome to try and have something where you have a little bit more control and, and if you were able to say like for, for milk say so you had a fixed price of $2.30 per litre or, or whatever it might be um and you've you know that it's going to be that for the next three years. You can budget and forecast and and make business decisions so much easier because you know what what your like. There's obviously variability in production and things like that. That like farming has so many variables, but it's a lot easier to sit down and do budgets and. Which I think as well, it's just, it's, it's always been a hard thing on farm. Like mum and dad, they like always see it. Um, it's a hard time to sit down and do a budget because. There are so many variables and, and you're just taking so many guesses as to what the sheep meat price is going to be in six months' mm-hmm. time and, and that sort of thing. So I was just, yeah, I guess it was an idea that we were hoping to um, take a little bit of stress out and a little bit of the guesswork out of farming and then hopefully increase revenue on farm to allow us to employ more people um which hopefully would, would help with work life balance as farmers are notoriously known for a big lack <laughs> of. Yeah. Um so and that so that was the whole idea was yeah, trying to do something that um well on the farming side, yeah, like created made lives better, made lives easier, a bit more um something that yeah, took a little bit of stress load ideally mm. off the yeah, which probably has so- just Added more on with all the work that we've been doing. But, um, <laughs>
1: what what were some of the key differences in that business model versus the current one that we're going to make it more maybe predictable or or less stressful?
0: Uh, I was probably from a naive perspective, but um, we, I guess, just the theory was because we'd be selling out the end product ourselves, so we'd be able to go to market, and there wouldn't be uh, so many. Yeah middle people clipping tickets but also um when the idea of sheep milking came across like we didn't just sort of think ah oh, no one's doing sheep milk let's let's just do that um it just it came up um there's a little article that dad cut out of a paper and it was in my last year of school and like would never ever considered milking a sheep or anything in that regard um, mm-hmm. and and like yeah traditionally we're sheep and beef farmers and have no dairy experience so Anyway, he cut this article out and it had a little bit of information, like very limited, but it basically was saying that sheep milk was selling for eighteen dollars a kg of milk solid, and I think at the time cow was at around six dollars per kg, and oh, I guess wow. the economic so three side times of my... the price, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the economic side of my brain was thinking, oh. You know why are people not not into that? <laughs> are they offensive? wasting their
1: time on that? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So anyway, like I started looking into it, and because I've yeah really been really into my fitness and health, and, and nutrition was a big part. I was um yeah always spend a lot of time just self researching nutrition, trying to figure out how much protein I should be eating to try and grow bigger muscles and <laughs> that sort yeah, of thing. Small. As as you do, yeah, yeah, as yeah. you do. Um. And and just it just ticked all the like ticked so many boxes in the sense of um, for people who couldn't tolerate cow's milk, sheep milk was a easy digestive alternative. So yeah. that was a big what, one. What are some of
1: the um, uh, what are some of the key differences between dairy and sheep milk? I've never actually looked into sheep milk. Like I typically drink like alternative milks like oat milk and stuff now, just because not out of any reason. But I've never yeah. looked into something um like sheep's milk can you talk to the nutrition of it a little bit
0: yeah and so that's yeah largely the reason why we've gone has it. so got compared to like whole milk whole cow's milk to whole sheep's milk it's got about 60 percent more protein and calcium um oh, wow. in cow's milk um that's higher and like for the key um key amino acids um isoleucine uh valine leucine isoleucine and valine are the three sort of key sort of um, building blocks for muscle growth and recovery, and and they're yeah. more than double what's found in cow's milk. I think one of them is two and a half times. Um, oh, wow. They're high in like magnesium, zinc, folate, phosphorus. Um, so just overall, just a lot uh, more nutrient dense and packed full of the goodies. Mm-hmm. But they also the structures difference. So the, there's only A2 type proteins, which is sort of been seen to be digested easier but the fatty chain acids are all short to medium chain whereas cow's milk is all medium to long so again Mm -hmm. it's just easier to digest and the lactose ratio is half the amount than what's in cow's milk so for those people like it's basically a combination of all those things that mean like we've in our experience it's like only eight percent of people who haven't been able to tolerate cow's milk have had our milk without any issues um, oh. so we've had people that have been off cow dairy for like 20 odd years and, and now onto our milk and have no issues which has been pretty satisfying so so yeah nutritionally it, it stacks up and, and we actually had or have like the All Blacks use the milk um, for recovery when they're together for their trainings and things like that So, Really? Um, That's huge Yeah so it's, I mean <laughs> not that we can really like promote it or anything because they are <laughs> yeah. tied up in the um, sponsors and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah which yeah. is which is you know and that's probably one of the realities of the world that we didn't realize when we were first starting is that mm. the whole world is so um commercialized like there's there's nothing there's got to be a gain or a benefit for everyone and and um, even if you've got a really good product if you can't you know just pay millions of dollars to get it out publicly yeah um, yeah, yeah it's, it's not going to be there so um yeah that was probably one of the big learning but yeah so it's cool to have them using it and then so that took two huge boxes was the nutrition and digestibility and then the third well third one was kind of like the sustainability side of things so just being Mm. smaller animals less likelihood of pugging uh, like soil damage Um, and also they have a much lower susceptibility to causing um, nutrient le- leaching, so just oh, again, right. basically because they're smaller animals, like urine patches are, are small, so it's yeah, not like because that's
1: one of the main like pushbacks against cows' milk too, right? As the amount yeah. of like CO two emissions and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then and then the third one was like like cow industry has come under a lot of scrutiny for um, like what happens to bobby calves and things like that, which Yeah. Um, and that's something that we were like, oh, well, we we can change and, and be different. So, so what we do, and we're, doing, we're not only I'm pretty sure we're still the only ones, but only dairy farm in New Zealand with the SBCA Animal Welfare Certification. So, so I'm basically, oh, no, just looks at how you farm and and that sort of thing. But one of the key things that we do is all of our lambs stay on mum. Mm-hmm. So, they yeah they all rear their own lambs and then get weaned when they're um, sort of forty to forty five days old, and the lambs get weaned onto pasture and then we start milking them. So it's quite a, um, yeah, really nice way to do it, allowing that natural bond. And then you're basically weaning them at quite a crucial point before, um, as the lambs get older, they can start doing a lot of damage to the ewes and and also um, the ewes start to lose a lot of condition because they've been Mm. chased around by two or three (laughs) lambs that um, just constantly want food. So, yeah. 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 It's
1: interesting to see... um, like it's so obvious that you're not just like you didn't just perceive it as like an easy money grab or something like that like yeah the finances (laughs) were there but like it's so evident to see that you considered all the different variables and that are involved in something like this and how it differs from the main competitors right
0: yeah oh definitely and like i think like i reflect on it quite often and like to mates and stuff and so there's way way easier ways of making money, like and <laughs> yeah. in like hindsight, really like this is probably more of a um, not a pet project, but it's like one of those projects you probably would usually do after you've gone out and, and made a bit of money and, and can invest quite a bit back in <laughs> yeah. To, yeah, to like yeah, grow yeah. this sort of thing. But it's sort of something we've decided to do straight off the bat. So, um, but yeah, it's it's certainly um, done out of um, interest and passion more more than. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big job, so it's not one of those things that you can just jump in there and make a whole lot of money and, <laughs> and, and retire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Another uh, key component to it, how does it uh, stack up in terms of taste?
0: Uh, it's good, yeah. So, I mean, that was quite a key one. So we basically taste like a creamier version of cow's milk. We did quite a bit of testing um, like under red light when we were first getting things going, um, and people couldn't tell the difference between whole – cow milk and whole sheep's milk when they were doing it um yep. but then there's like this mental thing when you tell them that it's sheep's milk like in the in the studies that we're doing like they could taste a difference so and and we're always very um like understanding because we were like and we before we looked into it if we had heard of sheep's milk we'd think oh what the, what the hell are you yeah, doing yeah, yeah, yeah. um so we started off with flavored milk we did a yeah started off with coffee chocolate vanilla to try and start to break down some of those preconceived barriers as to how it might taste, and then and then we progress to just a plain milk and slowly um, extend the portfolio. So we've got mm. uh, a probiotic yogurt and a labna, which is like a Mediterranean cream cheese, and we're just mm-hmm. yeah down the path of getting some some firm cheese into the market in the next sort of wee while. Damn, bro, that's epic.
1: When I'm back in uh, NZ, maybe next year, I'm going to have to try some of this. You're selling yeah. it to me. <laughs> <laughs> how how do you think your um expectations prior to starting the business, you know, when you're in that, like, real fun ideas stage, you know, that's the, probably the most exciting time when you just get yeah. to hypothesize. How do you think your expectations of uh, the business aligned with actually
0: doing the thing? Uh, it was a pretty... um pretty quick come down to reality I think um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think we when we first started uh, like we sort of mapped out oh how much would we need to sell and um we we're like oh I can't remember what the exact numbers were but we we're like oh we probably only need to be in like one or two supermarkets because there's probably like 10,000 people going there through there a week and if we can get two, uh get like 100 of those people buying two a week like that's pretty good maths like stacks mm-hmm. up but like we had no supermarket data at that time and, and when you actually go <laughs> and buy supermarket data, you realise uh, there's not many um, brands out there that are selling that volume of, of yeah. flavoured milk. So, um, so yeah, we, we were pretty um, sort of blindly going into it, but also it's, yeah, and, and even just like starting the business, we were pretty blind and well, naive, I, I, I say because we basically were sheep and beef farmers that had no experience cow deering, so we started up a a dairy business. We started up a um, manufacturing business because we do all the processing ourselves. And we also started up a marketing business. So we basically...
1: That's a lot, bro. Like one of those businesses would be a lot and require a lot of time, energy, effort, all of that. And like you decided to go all out and start up each component of that. How do you even... Like structure that kind of approach into spinning all those different plates.
0: Um, yeah, I like initially it was certainly just that um, thing, things through glass, um, rose-tinted glasses, probably thinking, oh, it won't be that hard, and <laughs> it's not going to be that much yeah. time into each component. But um, and once we started down the journey, it was sort of like, well, <laughs> we're here now. We've, we've got to roll our sleeves <laughs> up and, and make it happen. So. You sort of like there's no things that I think have jumped out. Like, we've just constantly refined how mm-hmm. we've done things. Like um, we've had a big breeding program on farm to increase um, production per year And to be fair, like on farm stuff's probably almost the easiest stuff because you're dealing with animals. And then as you're coming off farm, like even the processing that was like a big learning curve. But you just you just had to do it. Like there was mm. there was us like we couldn't afford to go and pay. Um, people to do it. So we, you just had, you just rolled your sleeves up and had to do it. And then the marketing side of things, and that like you got, I had like a bit of exposure to it at uni, but it's just, it pretty quickly shows that university is theory driven, which is <laughs> far from um, practical. And yep. it, it always looks good on paper <laughs> doing a marketing plan, but, and, <laughs> yeah. and all that sort of thing, like um, marketing plan and the launch and whatnot, but actually um implementing it is quite a different thing like it's yeah, yeah so very very big gap between theory and practical um but yeah so we just basically jumped in pretty blindly and, and have just built out uh, struck like built out the systems and processes over time and, and now it operates pretty pretty smoothly and um yeah we just had to do a boatload of learning really to mm. to get to that stage um and yeah, and probably like, like the hardest side of it is more the marketing um because you're dealing a lot with people like we sell predominantly through supermarkets and, and we're a very small player compared to Fontier who sort of own 98 percent of the, the cold shop space. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it is hard to um you go to some places and and they actually own the fridges, so you've just got no chance of actually getting your product off the shelf. Um, God, man. So so yeah, so it was quite quite like a learning curve. Um mm. but because we are like our niche and, and a niche sort of product, we did have that advantage in trying to get in there and, and serving a an alternative milk purpose. Um and yeah, our first year of business actually went really well. We um yeah, we were we were growing really, really quickly. Um mm. and then we can't remember it must be twenty nineteen was sort of the start in that first year and then we had we it went aired on country calendar. Um, oh wow yeah which that was really cool. Um yeah. and I just drove heaps of um attention to us and mm-hmm. and yeah that was really good. Like we we're just yeah selling pretty much um like we were doing our our numbers we were, were doing like per units and, and each store were some of the highest out of out of any category like even um, like cow um,
1: damn and that's your first first year in business
0: yeah yeah so so we we're it was like, we we're only in a few stores to be fair like we we're only in um like probably 12 or so stores yeah. and and that was just yeah so it was amazing everything was ticking over honky dory and um, <laughs> yeah, was and, so then, easy. <laughs> and then like during this time too we'd always had the idea that we were going to Export because we're just new. New Zealand's a really small market, and yeah. also been like sheep's milk. It's really easy to digest, um, and sixty percent of the Asian population is like cow dairy sensitive or intolerant to some respects. Mm-hmm. So we thought, well, that's a big opportunity. So, sort of through that year, we're we're getting investing and in, in spending quite a bit of money to set up for that, and we sort of just got set up and and then COVID hit the following year which just Bro. and we were doing a lot of um, flavoured milk into sports teams as well they were buying it oh, for yeah. recovery Yeah. Um, and then yeah COVID hit and just like just didn't wipe us out but it just sat us down a lot um, mm. I think we probably lost about 70% revenue I think from that uh, which was pretty huge, huge. Um, yeah and then, and we just started exporting to to Singapore, so we got over there for two weeks, and then that just completely, um, yeah, was gone. So it was like quite a quite a ride, I guess. You go from Shit, our first year of businesses, is, this is easy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, to thinking, oh, we should probably um, going to get a few more farms, or we'll get our U numbers up pretty quickly, or we'll figure something out, yeah, anyway. and man. then, and then you, yeah, that's what sort of happens. It's, it's quite a yeah, higher to very quickly coming back down to, to a low, um, and then yeah, it sort of took that whole COVID period was in and out of lockdowns for for mm. eighteen months. So it was quite like a reset period for us. Uh, and then since then, we've just yeah been going back pretty steadily and like well and truly beyond where we were. But um, but obviously costs and things like that have gone up a lot. So it's it's been quite a journey, eh? From yeah. Our initial concept of getting started and and like things that we had in it in the business plan um and things that we didn't like COVID and <laughs> and um, yeah, all this inflation you can't forecast for that yeah yeah
1: yes yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been it's, it's been interesting
0: a real...
1: um I was going to say your approach so I, I saw this quote recently and it's like become one of my favourite ones and it goes iterative progression is better than delayed perfection and I feel like that sums up your journey so much where you're like oh we better start a manufacturing plant okay how do we do that and then you give it a go and then no doubt it was probably pretty shit when you first did it (laughs) and then you probably got better and then whereas like you didn't get stuck in this like what would the perfect sheep's milk manufacturing process look like and then be thinking about it for six months or 12 months instead like you just kind of got stuck in and you just sort of we're chipping away at each phase of it. Even when something like COVID comes along, I bet it would have been stressful and all that, but then it sounds like straight away you're like, okay, what's the solution to this? Do we need to get more in this? Do we need to invest more in here? So I, I really like and admire how you're not getting stuck in the, the theoretical phase for too long. It sounds like your approach is more just practical and just give it a dig and see what happens.
0: Yeah, and I think, because yeah, quite early on, just realised that the theory side of things is yeah again the same such a big gap between like the f- theory and actually how it works and like, I think a lot of lecturers would probably get a shock if they realised how <laughs> inaccurate some of the stuff that they're teaching is actually applicable in the real real day to day life. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, it's been quite it's, yeah it's a learning journey and it's just constantly like what we've realised it's just a constant like problem solving. It's yeah, you, you're not really ever comfortable. You're constantly, there's constantly something that you're working away to either increase efficiency or, or there's a, mm. a key problem that you're trying to solve with. Um, potentially, like we've, we've been doing product development with cheese at the moment and had benchtop scale, like was just going primo. And then the scalability, getting it up to, to larger volumes took a lot more tinkering and because we're like using different equipment and there's just a lot of like, frustrating slight reformulation and so it's just as often um, if you spend too much time perfecting things you'll find actually when you're out there um, doing it in bigger scale or or that sort of thing it's it it needs completely redoing anyway so you You may uh, as well get a fair idea and then um, tinker as you go Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's not until you actually do the thing that you realize how it works in reality, right? Like spending all that time in the theory, there's just variables that you wouldn't even know existed until you actually started doing the thing.
0: Yeah, definitely. And until you've actually done it, as you say, like you can think how you might feel as you're doing it or you think the challenges (laughs) that might come up, but you could be so far away from... The actual reality of um, mm. what the biggest challenges are, or, or how, I don't know, different, but well, for us, we manufacturing different, um, like we control pH drop is quite an important thing for making cheese and, and yogurt, and like just how those changes happen at a large scale, can be to small scale, and yeah, every, everything um, is. In a book, it would all run smoothly, but um, yeah. when you're doing it <laughs> yeah. in practice, and Just it's,
1: uh, does it. it's slightly different. Yeah. When it comes to those challenges like you're mentioning there, can we zoom into that sort of COVID time a little bit for you? Because it kind of, at least this far, touch wood has probably been the biggest challenge you've had to get through in the business journey so far. What was it like when you first noticed like, the numbers and everything start to, go down as a result of COVID. Like how how were you feeling at that time?
0: Yeah, it's pretty like we because we'd never like we've never been to anything like that before, like just as a as a world. So everyone was, it was a bit shocking, bit airy, like just in the global scheme of things, how you'd go out on the street and literally no one was there, you're locked down. Mm. It was all um yeah, really uncertain I guess. And and like we were yeah, like we obviously took a huge hit and we were not really sure what to do um we'd built up this thing that was growing momentum really really quickly we had started exporting and we just like it looked like what we'd sort of planned to happen was happening and and then all of a sudden it was all gone um so yeah I, I think we just thought well we'll just keep rolling on um roll with the punches and and see what happens because like we really had no idea um what the timelines were going to be would the markets pick back up once things had changed or mm. um yeah so there was nothing that we could go to and model off like we, you couldn't go back such to, an
1: uncertain period right for everything yeah
0: so it was definitely like we sort of Oh, and obviously it was hard. Like you were um, thinking, oh shit, like yeah, spent all this time building this business and now it's not gone, but it's a um, significant roadblock and you can't do anything about it. So at the time, I guess we tried to stay as positive as we could. Like we, like for me, it's sort of it's an opportunity to hone down on the farm side of things. So I had more time in that regard to so just trying to get that operating efficiently smoothly um even just like uh processing systems just trying to hone in on on efficiency um and yeah just just doing what we could because we knew that we couldn't do anything within the market like you can't get out there and go and talk to people about hey do you want to stock our product and and whatnot (laughs) and um so we, we were just doing what we could to still be trying to feel like we're making progress within the business. Mm. Um, And, yeah, probably probably a fair bit of gym time and that as we are that period. Yeah, um, yeah, I've always been huge into fitness and and gym and and that's probably – it's like a huge release for me. Like, I know to get mentally – like, stay mentally sound and on top of things, like, it is – just a part of your life that it has to be like that Mm -hmm. fitness and that release endorphins, that, that feeling of, of like you've, um, earned your sleep and and that sort of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. so that was definitely a big part too. Like, um, just keeping on top of that and and not trying to feel too, um, like why now? Why, you know, that sort of thing. Like,
1: um, yeah. What, what did your um, zooming on the training a little bit? What was your training like throughout that time?
0: Um, I definitely like because we had less time to to go out and do some of the usual like market activities, like getting into stores and um, trying to do sales and promotion. Because everyone's focus was was not on that; it was all on how do we keep toilet paper on shelves and that sort of thing. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, man. So it, it certainly increased, like my training was, was, uh, like my frequency was higher. Like I always usually try to get a session in every day or probably works out to be about five or six times a week. Um, but yeah, during that period, like you'd do a morning session and maybe something in, in the evening as well. And it was just the time mm-hmm. is to get back to peak fitness and peak um, physique sort of thing. So, it was still just a lot of the same, but just trying to keep that um, routine going as far as having other goals outside of business. So like you've got like your strength goals mm-hmm. as far as I'm quite into like, body weight workouts and just trying to achieve like, like muscle ups and things like that, like different variations and, um, and different like core um, exercises and just, I guess having goals outside of business and, and that yeah, that's an interesting
1: point, actually, because if you just had all your kind of, I don't know, identity or like self-worth or something wrapped up in that one thing at that time, it probably potentially could have hit you a lot harder than having goals in other areas of your life too that you could maybe see more progression in this space as opposed to this space for now because of the, like the whole COVID situation that was going on.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that is real important, hey, like, in, I think just even in my whole life, I just know that the the fitness is a, is a huge, like, really important component to staying um, mentally focused in, in everything, like, mm-hmm. you, if you do that, I perform better as a, as a human, like, I, I just know mm-hmm. if I tick that box mentally, it's good, physically, like, I'm fit, healthy, I can, um, yeah, yeah, go like we do some pretty long hours in the the factory or whatever like if you're not healthy and that and not eating well like it's going to take its toll pretty quickly but because Mm -hmm. I sort of am aware of like health and nutrition and and that it it certainly helps that side of things Um, it's
1: interesting right like you don't need to necessarily know all the science and stuff as to why exercise and eating well is good for you but just again by practicing the thing you realize that, wow, I feel and function a lot better when I know I'm taking care of myself on this other avenue as well. And especially some like that period like COVID, I feel like you could have gone one of, like, or people went one of two ways, right? Either just at home, probably drinking more and like eating more and not really doing much or like, fuck it, I'm going to start running now or like, I'm going to go to the gym more. And that's like such a pivotal thing, I think. At least when it comes to mental health and pulling yourself through those kind of challenges,
0: yeah, oh yeah, I think physical exercise is so much to um, answer for as far as keeping the mental health in a good state. I just, mm. um, I was just thinking over Christmas so like we don't always get heaps of time off. But me and my partner went down south to spend Christmas with her family, which was really nice, and it was the first time. Um, in a while that we just sat down had done nothing. And mm-hmm. um, we still went to the gym and a few things like that, but we were literally, our day Our day was pretty much just parked up on the couch. We did a few, like, watched a couple of movies and that sort of thing, um, and went for a couple of little walks. But I never, ever felt so tired and lethargic in my life. <laughs> I had, had the most sleep I'd ever, I'd ever been yeah. having for the whole year, completely relaxed, and I'd, I'd felt like absolute crap. Um, mm. And it is, yeah. I, I think it was a, it was a real opener for me. I, I could see yeah. actually how you could fall into that trap of um, like the people that get tired and think, oh, I just need more sleep, and like, I don't <laughs> want to go out and do physical exercise because I'm just feeling so tired. But it's just that yep. constant negative cycle that reinforce, like constant loop that just is yep. um, reinforcing it. Whereas you go out and exercise, and all of a sudden you get your energy back, and you're you're mentally you're clear and it's yeah it was, that was a real eye-opener for me too thinking shit it's um it's it's not just um something that is my like my opinion like there's definitely something to this um
1: mm. and that seems so exercising. counterintuitive too right that like you getting more rest and relaxation and taking it easy actually makes you feel worse but it's so true i reckon like it's the movement that creates energy like by yeah. doing more I guess there would obviously be to a certain extent you wouldn't run a hundred K every day, but you <laughs> yeah. know, like the movement to a certain extent is what, what creates the energy. And I know for me, like, I felt it like in terms of, I don't know, maybe like stress or irritability. I'm like, why do I feel more like titchy or something? Like I got a shorter fuse in my arm and I haven't like trained in three days or something. Cause I've had yeah. to, you know, had time off for whatever it is. But, um, yeah, man, that's so interesting that you noticed that after taking
0: time off, you actually felt worse. Yeah, yeah, no, it has been. Um, it was a good eye opener, eh? and and like because mm-hmm. we keep ourselves pretty busy in the sense of um, like we've got the business, um, and then and that's probably like one of the things that um I've always had like a rose tinted glasses look on our oh, things will, that'll be not too much work. So we did um, when my partner did that, we had this old cabin. On our farm, that we was really run down, and we thought, oh, with all the business stuff going on and whatnot, we'll, we'll just chip away at that. And <laughs> it'll only take us like a couple of months to do it up and chuck it up on as a short term rental. And it ended up being like an eight month project. We were it's with fun. milk and spend like on the weekends, like be working milk, like started at like six, go to about two on the farm, Have a quick lunch shoot down there, and um and then be down there, like, renovating until, like, nine at night. And, um, Damn, bro. And so we were, it was just, like, a real um, eye-opener to, like, like, when you say yes to these sorts of things, um, how like, th- those were testing times, but actually taking, like, there was times it was quite stressful and, and you're like, oh, I we we're just doing too much. But if you could come back, and even, even though you're on your feet, like, all day, if you could take an hour out and do – like planned, structured physical exercise, um, mm. it's still dramatically improved like mentally and, and just like even though you're you're using more physical exertion, it's it was actually a really healthy um way of keeping mentally like sound and on track and mm. um not fighting with each other so much as we um, go, through, <laughs> yeah. go through the process. so uh, yeah what yeah, is what
1: it about it. I, I wonder if it's to do with that like psycho focused time just spent on improving some area of yourself like for yourself you know even though you're doing physical work on the farm and stuff like the the purpose of that is so much different to to saying to yourself oh yeah for this one hour i'm going to the gym and i want to work on my muscle ups or whatever it is that you're working on even though it's like the the act is physical but like that's almost like maybe i don't know like the intent behind it or something is different
0: yeah and i wonder if it's like if it's because it's like a selfish intent, like you're there yeah. to work on you versus mm. like you're mentally, if you, even if you don't physical work building or farming or, or whatever it is, or, or office work, like you're there putting all your energy into um, something else and mm. working on that. And then as soon as you come back like, to uh, going for a run or going to the gym, it is very basic in the sense of your brain actually doesn't have to do too much work. It's almost mm. like a, a cool down period for your brain. I reckon that, um, that it allows your brain to recharge, even though you're obviously doing physical exercise, your brain's mm. having a bit of rest because it's quite basic. It's not having to calculate or, or do anything like that. It's just a bit of focus and um, yeah. pushing yourself a bit. So, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's, nah.
1: <laughs> but yeah. it's interesting how you say um, like the, the intent might be selfish, even though, you're actually by doing it you're a better person for the people around you like even then like you you're saying like you and your partner you know like that would be a good time for you guys to do it because then you're less likely to argue or something when you're going down to the cabin and doing it up or something you know because you've given that time for yourself so it actually makes you a a better person for the people that you're close to as well
0: yeah yeah definitely and I feel it certainly in day-to-day like if, if you do have a couple of days off and, and you're feeling like mentally, you're just a little bit um, e- more easily irritable and then you go to the gym mm. and it's just like, oh, just life's easier, mood changes. It's it's instant, um, instant therapy, eh?
1: Mm. Uh, kind of changing tack a little bit, but still on a similar vein. I feel like a lot of people nowadays always say they don't have enough time to do stuff you know it's a really classic one yeah and just having a little bit of an insight into your world it sounds like you are busy almost all day every day how do you uh kind of manage your time and structure where you allocate your time and maybe actually to make it more tangible what does a typical day actually
0: look like for you Uh, that's a hard question (laughs) um yeah managing time i like for me, I'm probably quite poor at it in the sense of I am a person that has like interested in in a lot of things. Like we've got a business that takes up a lot of time. Like, we'd, yeah, we do some some long days, like for processing, would do sixteen hour days um, a couple of times a week, um, and then do yeah, pretty pretty standard day it would be like a test 12 hour day sort of thing 10 to 12 hours like just working on it um, and then still trying to get on farm where I can um, so time management yeah it's certainly hard and, and I sh- definitely struggle in the sense of um, like now just recently as well we've just moved a house on um, to a bare block of land that, that we purchased and it's a complete like re- redo up renovation <laughs> and um one of those things that I realistically don't really have time for. Like we've got um, the batch, which we run as a short-term rental as well. Um, try and get out, just just keeping a couple of pups to start training up um, for on-farm. So, so yeah, like my, my time management, to be fair, I'm quite poor at, in the sense of I certainly take on mm. more than what I should be. But I also know... Um, like I've, I've got a really good mental fortitude for um i can cope with stress like really well um under pressure um i don't don't shy away from a from a long hour day if need be so but basically like what i try to do especially like coming back to the business um so things like each week i'll try and have a task list list basically like we obviously have the day-to-day business that is non-negotiable that you just have to do, like the processing, mm. getting orders out, things like that. Um, and then from that, it's like trying to have tasks that you tick off that you know that are going to make your day-to-day operations better or ensure that you can continue to run. So a lot of that's around, well, for me, I do all the risk management programs, so all the... Um, Basically, making sure that we're ticking all the boxes and, and um, all of our food is going out safely, and um, yeah. all the like the way that we're proce- uh, sorry, um, any animal health treatments or anything like that on farm are done correctly, and like so, just do that whole spectrum. So, trying to ensure that I have some key tasks that ensure the business can continue running um, that are above just like your day to day putting milk Mm. into bottles and milking sheep and that sort of thing. And then also trying to have tasks that are uh, in line with our business goals or growth goals. So, because it's it's really, really easy and and like we certainly can fall victim to it quite often is um, just doing the business and and there's always more things that you can do like in the factory or or on farm that doesn't Mm. actually have a direct return on investment of your time. So. Um, is trying to be disciplined. And that's something that we're constantly working at is being um, disciplined that, okay, we want to grow our revenue by X. This is our plan that we've put together, how to do that. Um, the tasks that we have to action are this. And, and a lot of that task is sales. And, and my myself and my brother, um, who are sort of the main drivers behind the the brand side of the business, Um Aren't really salesmen at heart. Like we sort of hate that <laughs> yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, the cold calling and and that. Oh um, yeah, man, isn't really up our alley. Like we we do it, when we're comfortable, but it's there's certainly other things I, I could um, <laughs> do before that. Um, yeah. So it's just trying to yeah set those tasks out each week to try and stay disciplined so that you can, from a zoomed out perspective, look at it and think yeah okay if I achieve these we are working towards our business growth and our goals. Um,
1: That's quite a key thing too, right? And I was going to ask actually about that, how you focus on the specific business tasks versus like taking a step back and asking yourself and your team, like where do you see yourself going in the future? But it sounds like you have quite a um, structured approach to like getting that day-to-day stuff done that needs to be done. And also that high level um, overview because I think it's so easy when you're doing something just to focus on the doing of the thing. Like I don't know, even like the podcast, like this for example. It's so easy just to focus on each episode at a time, but then mm. just take a step back. Like where, like what is the purpose of doing this? Where do we want to be in three years or five years? So is, is that kind of the stuff that um you're quite interested in doing and have quite a bit of passion for?
0: Yeah. Definitely. And I think uh, we we just know the importance of it. Like, if Mm. you can work for a full year, head down, like, just going for it. And if you don't take the time to, like, have a breath and look to actually the direction that you're going in, like, you you could quickly realise all you've done for that whole year is just tick the day-to-day boxes, um, do a whole lot of tasks that, that... Yes, need doing, but also aren't as urgent as doing those sales calls or um, doing the like up, upgrade, updating the RMP to make sure that you're still compliant, or um, like things like like the I call like the big the big ticket um, items that are actually going to. So, if you've got the vision for your your business or or whatever your goal is, um, like making sure you're ticking off those big ticket items that are going to. Mm-hmm. Instead of just being potentially a sideways step or a, a very small level step towards that goal, trying to tick, because we've got limited time, trying to tick those boxes that are the bigger steps towards that goal mm-hmm. um as regularly as possible. And that's yeah, we always do try to zoom out 'cause we we also have like we are doing big hours and, and we know um that's not something we want to do forever. So the quicker mm-hmm. we can grow it, um, the the better. And to do that, it's got to be pretty structured and pretty smart because, yeah, um, yeah other, otherwise we're just going to be banging our heads against the wall for three or four years and,
1: <laughs> yeah. and then realise But oh, sometimes it's sometimes it's like when you're doing the thing it feels productive right like it feels unproductive to have a one hour session on I don't know where we want to be in the next 12 months Whereas, like mm-hmm. doing the thing on the farm or doing the thing in the manufacturing plant is the thing that can like in the short term feel like work but I think it's so spot on what you said like that might actually be steering you in the wrong direction even though it might feel like the right thing to do in the moment
0: yeah yeah, and, and it's like it's having that ability to zoom out. I think is so important because,
1: mm.
0: especially like, and we've started becoming a lot more disciplined, as I say, in, in the business growth side of things. Just taking off the tasks that if if you had a to do list at the start of the week, and you knew that you wanted you had to be doing five cold calls a week to try and hit your sales. And you just had a had a list of, of to-dos that always probably be the last thing on the list. And you get to Friday and you think, oh, <laughs> Friday, people don't really want those calls. We'll do it next week. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and, yeah. The, and then you lose a whole week of actual progress towards that um, mm. goal of increasing your stockers or increasing revenue. Or um, So it is Yeah, zooming mm. out. And, and we always measure things like weekly. So we're looking constantly at uh, like weekly revenue. So we don't. Um, I guess we're trying to compete for the last week each week. So, yeah. um, otherwise, if you just are reassessing only once a year when you're doing your financials, it's like, oh shit, we've you've, <laughs> we've gone completely. Yeah, <laughs> we've completely gone off track yeah. here. Whereas yeah. if you can more or less, like we're not doing a huge review, but each week we're we're being um, conscious of of like, you know where revenues are and, and what mm. numbers are looking like to make sure that that's always forefront of the decision going into next week. It's like, well, this is where we are. We're still like X amount away from our goals versus, yeah, if you're doing it six monthly or, or yearly or quarterly, um, you're reminding yourself of your goals way less. Um, yeah. And so they're not as forefront of, of the mind.
1: Yeah. And that um sales call example is so good too because it's like – that missing the sales calls that week, oh yeah, it's fine. But then, oh, you missed it the following week. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, out of six weeks, you've done two weeks where you've done sales calls. It's like the in the short term, it seems okay, but ironically, like those are the things that like if you let them, they could stack up over time. And that could be a large reason why the business doesn't do as well as it could because of all these micro decisions on a Friday morning when you're like, oh nah. People don't yeah. want calls today, and that, that that was just the decision that you made that morning. But you make that every second morning or something, or every second week. That could be the thing that stacks up and works against you.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you look at like micro wins like that, because mm. you know, as you say, if if you if you skip it, you do one or two weeks, and every six or or over over a year. It's a huge amount that you're missing. Like you're only doing a third of that. Yes, so you you might only have fifteen, or whatever like calls, like actual weeks we've done it. And and if you sort of roughly know on average your your success rate is, is X, like mm. amount or conversion rate is you know whatever it is, um, you times that by fifteen or times that by fifty two. Like that's a that's a huge difference when you get to the end yeah. of the year as to where your yeah. progress is.
1: Yeah, I think cause I, was, I was listening to a um, podcast or something, and they were talking about it, but they likened it to like gaining weight. Like you eat that thing today, or you drink that thing, or you skip your workout, or you skip your cardio session, and that's all done with a temporary view, right? Like, what do I feel yeah. like doing today, or what don't I feel like doing today? And then six months or 12 months then all of a sudden you've gained 10 kgs or 20 <laughs> kgs. But it's like the negative result that happens in a year's time is as a result of like those decisions that you made
0: temporarily on that day. Yeah, and it only takes those micro decisions too. Eh? It's like, oh, I've been eating yeah. pretty well today. I'll yeah. just have an ice cream or whatever, and you, and you blow yeah. your calories out. Um, and that's, yeah, I guess going back to that measuring um, in my life, fitness journey or, or whatever like mm. a big thing for me I, I, a lot of people always um i guess go off weight and constantly weighing themselves at the gym and that sort of thing but one thing i've I found like really transformed me because I, I yeah try try to be reasonably lean and and keep on top of body fat um mm. percent and that sort of thing i, I feel
1: like I, even just through your face i can tell that you're quite lean <laughs> like you, you, you look pretty shredded even through your face yeah
0: <laughs> Um, I'm not at my peak, but um, yeah, i try, try, try to um, try to keep it down. But um, mm. but yeah, what, what I did, I just found was huge, was bought a, a body fat caliper. And oh, yeah. um, instead of like jumping on the scales, and you, you can have a huge fluctuation of weight um, by, by a couple of kilos, depending on water weight, time of day, and um, mm. how soon it's been since you went to the toilet and that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it was just, and not like, not that those are, accurate every time because they also change depending on how hydrated you are. And that. But mm. I, I basically, I got obsessed with it for, for a period there where um, I just, I did want to get um, treated more or less and, and, and wanted yeah. to lose body fat. And it was just every day I'd, I'd meet her at the same time. And, uh, and it was I feel like, that would
1: drive you crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, it was just <laughs> such a huge thing, like mentally, because, Again, I th- and I sort of go back to like the weekly sort of numbers that we chase in business. So it's co- constantly at forefront of your mind. So like when I was doing it every day, mm. like when it came to those decisions throughout the day of, um, like, oh, I, I could go like, it's like a, those a decisive pie or
1: moments, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or um, meal planning, and that I, it's like I could could be pretty keen on a chocolate bar or, or whatever it is, but I like straight away mentally go thinking oh, but I don't want that number on the on the body fat caliber to go up today and, and, yeah, and you yeah, can yeah. see quite like a, a trend of it going down so it's quite like a mental yeah. thing that you are making progress um, and, and it taught me heaps about eating too it just yeah, and I, I'm probably the type build that I'm not natu- naturally huge or anything but I can certainly put um, body fat on pretty easily if, if I want to so it's like that huge yeah. learning curve where you uh, you can have three days of bad eating and shit. You can actually stack on a, a bit yeah, of noticeable, um, <laughs> noticeable. <laughs> Pudge. <Punch>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah um,
1: and, and that's the thing. Like when it comes to those fitness goals, just like exactly how you liken it to your business goals, if you don't, one, create a clear goal of what you want to do, but two, oh, those a thumbs up. <laughs> <yeah>. um, <laughs> that was weird. But also, measure it and know what you're working towards like so often and this doesn't just fitness goals but people will be like oh man i'd like to lose some weight or like oh man i'd like to get in shape or like oh i don't know maybe like oh man i'd like to save some save some more money this year but then if you're never checking in and like what you know having some kind of measure as to what success looks like and actually checking am I being successful towards that goal? You Mm. just never know. I suppose it comes back to that whole thing of like, if you don't have a clear aim, you also don't know when you're not being successful. So if you don't say I want to save 10 grand and then you don't save 10 grand, you don't see that you weren't successful in that. So it's easy, you know, you kind of just keep coasting and yeah. I don't know if maybe measuring your body fat every day was maybe a bit much, but the idea is there, you know, like every week or whatever, every three, four days checking in, like, am I on track with this goal? But it's so easy just to keep your head in the sand when you're maybe wanting to achieve something, because if your head's in the sand, you don't know when you're not being successful. But the flip side is that you also don't know if you are being successful, maybe you're doing a really good job, but you're not actually putting the measures in place to,
0: realize that success yeah one of my favorite like little little quotes is if you don't measure it you don't manage it and yeah um, it's hugely like applicable because as well like as you say if if you don't know what you're doing is working or not working you might continue to do it for a whole year and and be in the same spot so at Mm. least if you're measuring it you quickly figure out like you know liken it to the body fat like Pretty quickly, if that number's continuing to go up, well, I'm eating too much or I'm not doing enough <laughs> yeah. um, exercise. So, it's, yeah. Whereas if I was weighing myself, I could just be in that mindset, oh, no, I'm just putting on muscle, muscle waste more than fat. Mm. And, you know, yeah, so yeah, it, it's yeah. one of those, yeah. It, and like the measurement has to be um, relative and a good um, determining like, factor of, of your success. Yeah. But um, I think it's, it's so important.
1: Yeah. And and uh, one thing that I've sort of picked up from a lot of athletes and coaches that I've chatted to is that if you're not sort of measuring what you're doing, you don't know when to implement the next change in the plan. Like so often, like you'll hear from coaches that their athletes just randomly chucked in another, say, bench press day. And it's like, oh, yeah. why, why did you make that change? Oh, Oh, I don't know I just thought you know I should add it in was yeah. your strength not going oh no my strength is still going up so it's like if you're not measuring all these factors you don't know when the right time is to influence a change or bring in a change and so often especially like when it comes to more high performing people I would argue you don't have the evidence but I feel like you would have a tendency to do too much so if you weren't doing your calipers you might be like nah that this isn't working. I need to eat yeah. one less meal, or I need to go for another run, you know, even though the plan is actually working, but you're not measuring it. So you're you just chucking another thing, even though it's not required.
0: Yeah. And often, because results for anything in life often are gradual, like you don't just go from being chubby to rich like overnight. So <laughs> you, yeah. you, like if you are in that journey, or vice versa, or business, or whatever, um, you often don't notice the change so you mm. because it's so gradual you yourself are like well i can't actually see anything getting that much different um yeah. whereas if you if you've got like numbers and again like if you're trying to increase your strength and you're writing down week to week what numbers you're hitting in sets and that you've got something to refer back to and think oh, no these like i've made some good inroads here into my yeah. 100 kilo bench press that i'm aiming towards or, or whatever it is so yeah. it's, it,
1: it's it's like, like that sales call thing we we're saying like that not doing the thing can gradually take you down a negative path but doing something consistently can have the opposite effect where it gradually takes you in a more positive path
0: yeah it gives you a good reference point and um mm. yeah so it's, it's something well especially for me i know like mentally, if you can refer back to it and and see progress. I think most humans like to see progress in some sense. Um, And if it's not progress, well, it's still extremely valuable information because you know that's not working, so just
1: try something else. And that's that's the thing, right? That's why measuring it and not achieving it, oh, well, you didn't achieve it, but at least you know you didn't achieve it. You didn't unknowingly not achieve it and then not be able to influence any change on that thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And like, if mm. you didn't achieve it, at least you know what the strategy was for achieving. So if you are to adjust your strategy, it, you're making yeah. changes that are working towards that goal. Um, versus yeah. if, if you've just got a goal and, and no strategy and, and you sort of don't really remember like the process of, of how you've been trying to achieve it. So you just keep making willy-nilly sort of adjustments that mm. are mm. following no real structure.
1: Mm. Exactly, man. And speaking of goals, before we wrap up, um, what are some of the upcoming plans or goals on your horizon that you can at least tell us about? Not <laughs> none of the top secret stuff maybe yeah. that you're working on, but what are, what are some of the goals for maybe this year that you're working towards at the moment?
0: Yeah, we're still. But um, like a big thing for us, like business wise, is we're all of our products at the moment of fresh in nature. So. We're trying to build out the portfolio to have a long shelf life product alongside with it. So that's what we've been doing with the product trials with with the firm like hard cheese, and and so that's going to be, um, excuse me, a, a really a pivotal pivotal part of our business going forward because it's going to complement our fresh product, which is really good cash flow. Um, and, and it just helps drive everything. And then you've got the long shelf life, which you can store for up to a couple of years. Sell it mm-hmm. with good margins, um, but it, you can use it whenever you've got any excess milk, you can turn it into that. Um, so th- so that's a big um, goal of ours this year, is getting that launched um, and, and of high quality, because everything we want to do is, is high quality. And um, as I was saying earlier, it's taken a bit of tinkering to get the commercialisation phase done properly. So, so, yeah, getting that stage going. Um, and we're working with Woolworths a little bit through a seed lab programme. Um, we're pretty keen to try and launch into Australia the end of mm-hmm. this year. So getting to supermarkets um, over there just to, again, take that next step to growth because, as I say, New Zealand is a very small area. Um, Country that's spread across a very large mm. land mass so it's not, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly not the easiest place to do business, but it's, it's not a place that you're ever going to, in our minds, achieve the level of business that that we want to. Uh, like, we want to be able to yep. grow it and hopefully get opportunities for other farmers to get into it and, and that sort of thing. Yep. Um, so yeah, Australia's certainly on, on the horizon, um, and yeah, so that's probably yeah, sort of two two big goals in that respect and then um, hopefully trying to get one or two more people on board like either semi or, or permanent employment just to bring back a little bit of um, work-life balance for for ourselves but also um, help sort of keep that growth um, phase going.
1: That's epic, man. I've, I've really enjoyed um, this chat, honestly, and getting a bit more of a – an insight into your business life and also your fitness life it still blows me away how much you uh, do and how much you fit in into your day if I'm honest with you but I feel like it's quite inspiring how you you know you have the vision but you also focus on the to-do list like the day-to-day stuff um and even though it's like specifically applied to your context I feel like those are frameworks or lessons that can be applied to anything i mean we even related them to fitness goals i guess but like can be related to so many um different kind
0: of pursuits yeah no, it has been awesome to chat and always nice to do something a bit different with um jumping in front of a mic and having a yarn
1: yeah why not man oh and one last thing if people do want to check out your journey or maybe what you do in the business and what the business is up to where are the there's a best place for them to find you
0: yeah, the our business is called Fern Glen Farms. So we're on Instagram, um, Facebook, and Nz for our website for like, any information if people are interested to check it out. And yeah, mm-hmm. should should have. Um, and you can contact me through that if if there's any um, people that are wanting to do yeah, that. So,
1: yeah, I feel like definitely the protein content probably got some people excited. If I'm honest with you, so. Who yeah, knows, it was a big driver for me when I, when I was looking into it. Yeah. Like tick. Yeah. Bigger yeah. muscles. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah find it.
0: Nah,
1: exactly, bro. No, nah, thanks heaps for coming on today, man. I genuinely enjoyed chatting to you. I appreciate
0: your time. Nah, cheers, Ken.